I only know one way. That's the Padre way. I'm proud as heck to be a San Diego Padre. I played for one team. I played in one town. Smith is ready. Win waiting to pitch. There's a drive. Right center field. Base hit. And there it is. Ho-ho. Doctor. You can hang a star on that, baby. A star for the ages for Tony Gwynn. Number 3,000. Hey, Blake, would you go on a 5.5 podcast when you get to San Diego? I don't know, man. That's a lot. I don't even know what that is. <sighs> Welcome back, everybody, to an emergency 5.5 podcast. I'm your reluctant host, Danny Ortiz, alongside Eric LeBou. AJ Preller will not let us sleep, Eric. Despite my best efforts to avoid recording, he decides to make another move. Joe Musgrove, the pride of... Uh, East County coming home in a huge blockbuster trade. How do you feel? Poway rejoices. Yes, it does. You took my joke, you Poway rejoices. They are so happy right now, That's man. Right, There's, the crown I jewel. think they're having a celebratory rodeo. They might be, yeah. <laughs> if you walk in with a mask, they're just going to kick the shit out of you. They're duct taping the that. Fuck out of there. They are duct taping that Trump merch tent as we speak to sell Musgrove uh, merchandise. A big trade. A big trade. Uh, out of nowhere, it seems. I don't remember hearing. Uh, Hearing anything on a trade break. I heard some Tanaka <coughs> stuff that uh, was uh, anonymously dropped and then uh, repealed. But I uh, haven't heard anything on Musgrove. So this kind of came out of nowhere. What was your initial reaction uh, when uh, Passan beat Lynn to the punch? Yeah, you'll have to excuse me. I just swallowed my spit. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. Ooh, you want to start over? AC scooped again. By yes. the way, that guy's the fucking Baskin Robbins at this point. It did. It, it really did come out of nowhere. I, I barely had a chance to speculate yes. about Joe Musgrove coming to San Diego, and, yes. and lo and behold, you know the move is made, and it was just kind of all of a sudden nothing's happening. Just a regular Monday, Martin Luther King Day. You know, respect and uh, regular Monday and MLK Day, and all of a sudden, <laughs> next thing we know. The phone starts blowing up. Yeah. Holy shit, Padres made a move. Here comes Musgrove. And it's like, what the hell's going on? You start looking around like, yeah. hey, who's gone? Who's gone? Who's gone? And then the first name you hear is Hudson Head. It's like, bye. See okay, later. later. And then uh, if that's like the main name in the trade, a part of me was kind of like knowing that knowing what they gave up for Darvish and kind of looking through those names and be like, who, who, who? Yeah. Like, I was excited to hear the return. Yeah. And it went from, normally, when other trades are made, it's like, oh, shit, who do we give up? I get nervous, but now I'm on the point yeah. like, hey, this is going to be funny. Like, let's see let's see what went down. And, uh, yeah, you start seeing these names. And, I mean, I like to think of myself as relatively well-versed in Padres prospects and the systems, thanks sure. to our, our pals over at Mad Friars, but... I didn't know who Omar Cruz was. <laughs> I didn't know well, who the hell Omar the Cruz was. The Russia threat sure as shit knew who he was. And I'll, I'll touch, I have some. Preller just had to trade a Mexican. Yes. He just I, had to. Just help randomly. Himself. It's almost like he does it as a bit now to piss us off. He just, just randomly help throws himself. a Hispanic in there. Son to, of a bitch. Trade one. But, um, <laughs> no, I was right there with you. When I, number one, I was like, wait, what? We, when were we in on Musgrove? That's, uh, that's new. And secondly, there's two things I considered before the, uh, the uh, the pack the 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 huge package of uh, allegedly at the time uh, came out was that he's not as good. Like I looked up his numbers, he had a really great year last year, and I'll I'll touch on that later as well. Um, but he's not Darvish and he's not Snell. Where the player we gave up that hurt the most was Luis Patino. From the major league roster standpoint, it was Zach Davies. But from like a prospect hugging standpoint, uh, it was Patino. So I was confident that you know, whatever they gave up was probably going to be more quantity. Uh, than quality. I don't even know if it was even that. Hudson Head, if you look up uh, 
his uh, his gradings on Fangraphs, he's probably a borderline top 100. Um, had they played and had a minor league season last year, maybe he develops and he is a top 100. But uh, to get two years of Musgrove, who looks like he's on the brink of a breakout, uh, I would have to say that the Padres uh, were uh, were ahead of the game here in trading for him basically six months early or six months uh, yeah six months early uh, before he cost more. Whereas the Pirates, I think, probably should have waited. Yeah, I mean that would make sense. It, it feels like at this point in time. All of the teams are sitting there on their hands. Like, They're doing shit, nothing. We don't know what's going on. The yeah. financials were scared. We don't know what the hell. And so when, when you say, like, yeah, maybe they could have waited till the deadline, I think things are a lot more clear at the deadline. You know, maybe there's yeah. fans coming in. Maybe the, the financials are a little bit more clear. You know what's going on. You know what you can't afford to add and what you can't afford to add and what you can and can't afford to give up prospects-wise. And then the Padres are like, we're not going to wait for that. Because they could have. Yeah. Uh, there was talk about Tanaka. There was talk about trading for Castillo last night on Twitter. Kluber. Kluber. There's talking about Kluber. Uh, and when I, t- when I say talk, I talk, I'm talking about uh, Padres Twitter speculating, yes. of course, um, about what it would take to bring these guys in. And there was kind of the chatter like, hey, maybe we should just wait till the deadline. Because we'll have a clearer picture and we can see you know, where we need to add, what we need to add. Do we even need an arm at that point in time? And Preller said, no, I'm just going to do it. Like, yeah. Like we need it, you know. He's uh, it's not just for this year either. Like, you no, have it's not. Darvish for three years, Snell for two years, and now Musgrove for this year and next year. I think Snell is for three, isn't he? That's what I said. You said two years for Snell. Whatever. No, no, you know no, what I mean. you, yeah. For the next two years, obviously, we don't really don't have to worry about uh, the rotation other than arguably the five spot and and Lamette's health. I think at this point. Um, is 50-50. One thing I wanted to point out. When you I would argue about, less, but yeah, okay. Well, you know, I'm trying to be optimistic. Yeah. Um, one thing I wanted to point out uh, that you had brought up about Preller being aggressive and not waiting. Um, Preller's playing Moneyball, guys. <laughs> this is Moneyball. You are expo- exploiting a, a market inefficiency to make yourself better. I'm, I'm, I want to say that we talked about this before. I know we have in private, uh, but I don't know about on the pod. But you know, right now, nobody is doing anything. I think the biggest free agent deal uh, so far that's been given out is... Uh, LeMahieu, I think, just got 90 mil from the Yankees. A great pickup for them. But other than that, like, it's been really... It's basically been A.J. Preller and, like, arbitration cases is is pretty much it. Um, And so I think you're right. I think teams are waiting to see, hey, are we going to have fans? What's the revenue going to look like? You know, um, the trade deadline does give you a better idea of who's competing, which kind of... That limits uh, your opportunities. Uh, If you're a trading team, right? Like, if you're the Pirates... Um, you could say, yeah, it's better now because if we trade him now, there's teams that might think they're contenders. Um, and there's a team, obviously, who's willing to be aggressive to acquire him, whereas we don't know what's going to happen by the trade deadline. We might fluke our way into playing 500 ball and be close. Or teams may just, you know, the lesser teams that are uh, out there trying to acquire talent is going to limit what we can get back. I don't think that's a great approach when you got a guy who's got like a year and a half worth of, uh, you know, worth of uh, control. control. Uh, at that point, but it's Preller exploiting a market inefficiency. Teams are not, and we know why they're not, are not looking to add payroll. They're not looking to make big deals. The fucking Cubs are rich, and that family is crying poor. They basically salary dumped uh, Darvish on us. Uh, it, and there was a, a, a great headline, I believe it was uh, from The Athletic. It's either from The Athletic or Fangraphs. I want to say it was Fangraphs. The Padres get Darvish while the Cubs give up. <laughs> 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 but that's what it is. It's that you're seeing teams like even the Dodgers coming fresh off a World Series, um, which has come into question because, like, how legitimate is it in a 60-game season where they really didn't play any teams outside of the West? How legitimate is this? 
Um, yeah. They've done nothing to to shore up Holzio. They they have a they have to replace Kike uh, Hernandez, who's a solid role player. Uh, Justin Turner, who's been you know one of their core pieces, he's not coming back. At least as it stands, it doesn't it doesn't appear he's coming back or they're holding out. Um, Alex Wood's not great, but again, they lost pitching depth, and the Dodgers have always been big on depth, so they they've done nothing. Uh, the Rockies suck. The Diamondbacks, I think, are are going into reload mode. The Giants are getting better, but they're not. They they are. But Come on, it's the Giants, dude. Yeah, it is, and they're making moves to to better themselves in the long term. But they're not. They're not going to be a division player right now. The only team that's really made an effort of all the thirty teams to get better. Is Preller? I put it out on Twitter. Name me one GM right now who wants to win more than AJ Preller. Yeah, I can't. Name me one ownership group. Yeah, that wants to win more than than Papa Pete and company. Yeah, I can't. I can't. And dude, the one thing I think I've always been ready for the Padres to win. Of course, we <laughs> we wanted it so bad. So it felt but like it was never going to happen. One of the things that both myself and I think you and maybe the rest of Padres Twitter didn't expect was how insufferable Dodger fans would be during this process. They're so insecure. It is awful, dude. It is AIDS. Anytime there's a move, anytime there's a move, oh, hey, Padres got Musgrove. <laughs> hey, here's how the rotation lines up. And you see some fucking guy, oh, yeah, well, Urias is the number five on the Dodgers. He'd be the ace for the Padres. Ha <laughs> No one asked, fool. Like, no one fucking cares. No, he wouldn't, dude, number one. <laughs> Dodger fans have become even more insufferable. They won a season that had 60 fucking games. It was a third of a regular season. Rough math. And they're all of a sudden like, oh, what? Potters are making all kinds of moves. They feel us. They feel us coming. They feel us coming. And it's like, fuck, dude. It is so insufferable to see anytime they make a trade. Dodger fans, Dodger Twitter. Oh, they're scared. They're scared of the Padres. Oh, Dodgers in five. Fuck off, dude. Like, uh, at this point, at this point, I think the West is up for grabs. I do too. Um, the Dodgers, sure, they they could sign someone, they could trade someone, they could say, "Fuck Who's it, available? we're getting Bauer." Who's available on the market? They're they not going to sign Bauer. Springer. They can get Bauer. They're not going to sign. I don't think. When's the last time they went in but on still, that kind of free agent? Like the point is, at this point, like the Padres and what they're running out there is so solid. I don't care what they no, bring I don't in. Either. I don't like. I'm I'm cool with our squad right now, and there could still be another move. You know, you never you never know. Preller does not sleep. It has been well documented. You look at He's how many slept. arms. You look how many yeah. arms we have in our rotation. There could be another move. I don't know. You know which hole you would fill. That's what she said. But <laughs> there could be another move. You never know. Uh, but I'm not. I'm not scared. I'm not nervous about it at all. You mentioned a potential breakout for Musgrove. Yes, I wanted to bring that up, and this is a shout out to. Uh, to uh, to uh, at too much Morton's uh, Tommy on Twitter too much at too much Morton's underscore please follow him he has great video content uh, when he can gather the highlights but uh, he had posted something I I noticed that Musgrove's strikeout rate jumped big time it was over 12, uh, 12 strikeouts per nine this year and he posted something off of Fangraphs that Musgrove I believe I'm gonna pull it up but uh, we we we've always known about the slider but he upped his uh, curveball usage this year I think by eleven percent. And uh, when you look at the stat cast numbers that our good friend Kevin Charity from Mad Friars posted, um, the only thing that's not in the red for Musgrove is fastball velocity. But you don't necessarily need velocity if you have good spin on the fastball because that gives it life, makes it look faster than it really is. It keeps it up in the zone, um, which we saw with Chris Paddock last year. If you cannot locate up in the zone, you're screwed. Um, so I do think Musgrove, this is why I think the Pirates traded him six months too early, is on the brink of a breakout. Maybe he's not going to hold the 12 strikeout per nine, but I do think 
that he's going to be better than what he's essentially going to be here, which is the number four. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's I'm, I'm looking at the MLB.com uh, article that was posted today that backs up a lot of those numbers that Giannis had, had uh, retweeted. And I'm looking here, and uh, highest whiff rate, any single pitch, starting pitchers of 2020. And they have the starting pitchers. Blake Snell's curveball, by the way, is number one on that list. Which is, <laughs> oh, which he's is, a Padre, isn't he? Which is exciting in and of itself. But uh, Joe Musgrove's curveball comes number five on that list. So 53.2% of the time. When he throws a curveball, the guy's going to miss. Yep. You know what that's better than? You know what that's a higher number than? Lamette's slider. And Lamette's slider is nasty. Elite. Dude. It is absolutely nasty. So there's two pitchers, and it says in this article here, there's two pitchers in Major League Baseball that have not one but two pitches that get a whiff over 50% of the time. And that's Joe Musgrove and Shane Bieber from from Cleveland. So you have the dirty curveball that's gotten better this year. You have the slider that's gotten better this last year, I should say. You have the slider that's gotten better this last year. Ross Trout, I'm sure, is very happy with that. So you have someone that has two pitch like that's that's elite. Yeah. <laughs> like and that's our four. Yeah. Like that's what's incredible. So, you know, if if he if you work on what gets you better and he obviously did that last year, if you take that into this year, man, I don't know. That's a hell of a that's a hell of a piece to have at number four. And what you were saying before we started recording, a great replacement for Zach Davies. <laughs> yes, see, that was the one. That's thing. a nice. That's a nice little upgrade. Yeah, I, I had uh, I had uh, I had mentioned Davies uh, earlier uh, when we first started recording. Is like from a roster standpoint, that move kind of hurts because yes, you're getting Darvish, but you're replacing Darvish with Davies. So you're basically getting however much better Darvish is as compared to Davies, as opposed to just adding Darvish with the rotation that has him. But now we're going to get Musgrove. Now, I like Zach Davies a lot um, after last year. He did break out. Um, but he's also got touched up a little bit in the playoffs. And I think part of that is because he just doesn't he doesn't have the same velocity as Musgrove. Musgrove's not great, but I, I, correct me I if mean, I'm wrong. I mean, Musgrove sits 92-93. Davies sits 88. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just like, Davies doesn't throw... That hard. Like, yeah, I know, but he's not Jordan Hicks. No, he's not. No, he's not. But, you know, and, and the thing is, Musgrove doesn't rely on a changeup down, down in the zone where if a team like the Cardinals and the Dodgers, who are notorious for laying off pitches, especially the Dodgers, when they can sit on that and, and see that coming and take it and then sit on the fastball, that does create some danger. And I think Zach Davies is due for some a little bit of regression. I still would have loved to have him, but this effectively replaces him with the guy who is roughly around the same age. He has one extra year of control. I believe Zach Davies is a, a free agent after this year. Makes about six mil less, yes, Yeah, by makes the way. about yeah, half. Which we don't know. care about anymore, no, thanks we to don't. Seidler. Yeah, but, but it's worth mentioning. You don't care about it because you know your team's going to spend, but you care about the flexibility of it because now they've essentially added Darvish for only an extra $10 million, and now they've added uh, Musgrove. So essentially they swapped out for like $6 bucks, which, yeah. you know, it's... When you look at how much better they are now compared to what they were before the Darvish and Snell trade, it's amazing. You know, Snell's obviously on the cheap, uh, Lamette's cheap uh, because he's still under you know his original team control. So, uh, but when I look at that, I like the move, namely because you're not relying as much on Lamette's health, and you got a guy that had more upside than the guy you had traded out of your rotation in Davies, um, who is seems really primed. Well, I mean, I think last year you call it a breakout, but he seems really primed for a full season breakout. Um, and again, you're not blowing a ton of money. You didn't spend anything from prospect capital. Hudson Head looks like, based on stuff I see on fan graphs, like he's going to be a fun prospect 
Um, he was kind of a little bit of a find. I think he was viewed we as We don't like have to care about yeah. those anymore, which is the no. best part about it. Yeah. It's you, the best part about where you, we're at right now. You care about it, as a, as our good friend H.J. Preller uh, had mentioned. You care about it. Well, he, he insinuated. You care about it to a point because you want to liquidate that prospect capital to get better at the major league level. Do I give a shit if the Potters are homegrown or not? I mean, it'd be cool if they were all homegrown, but who gives a shit? Yeah. As long as they win. As long as they win, that's the only part that matters. And they didn't really give up uh, anything. I mean, yes, the Mexican community is hurting. <laughs> Omar Cruz leaving. Obviously, the ISIS-hating community is also hurting, as David Bednar is now on his way. San Diego is very, very and, and our, much our, not as safe any longer. Not as safe. And our, our Italian community is hurting, as uh, Joey Lucchese is now going to have a fresh slice of Sabaro pizza as he's been <laughs> rerouted to New York. Uh, sorry, in a three-team trade. Yeah, sorry, Dabini. Yeah. Uh, that that's gonna hurt. But I mean, at the end of the day, I'm sure he was very upsetty. <laughs> well, you can try some spaghetti. <laughs> but uh, at the end of the day, considering what they gave up, like it's basically nothing. I think Cruz is a good lottery ticket. Head's a good prospect for Pittsburgh. But I do think they traded six months early, and that this is just AJ Preller continually exposing the rest of the league as cheapskates, and Papa P just saying. Hey, buddy, here's a car to the Lamborghini. Go ahead and drive that bad boy to a World Series. Because now they're stacked for the next two years. Our rotation next year looks amazing. Yeah, no doubt. And Baseball America's Top 100 just came out. And we had seven. They traded none of those guys. (laughs) They still have seven of the Top 100. Most of any team per Baseball America. Which is just incredible that you can add... Three starting pitchers of the caliber that we got, and we only lost got. one of. And they lost Patina. Yeah, they lost one of what would have been eight. And I mean, you know, maybe some of the other guys in the Cubs trade eventually are once they hit puberty. <laughs> maybe they eventually hit the, <laughs> the top one hundred. But who knows, dude? I mean, who knows at this point? So, uh, yeah, yeah, love to see it. Absolutely love. I can't to see wait it. to see. Uh, I mentioned this on Twitter as well. I'm still eagerly waiting Molly Knight's uh, article <laughs> to see how her and those fucking insecure ass thirsty Dodger fans try to spin this as a positive. Yeah. Um, yeah. They are. Uh, they are not going to be happy. Yeah. But let me let me ask you. So you kind of mentioned the 2022 rotation. I kind of want to look at this year and and what's going on and and does this move? And some people are like oh doom and gloom whatever. This move to me tells me they are not confident with Lamette. No, absolutely they not. Are I'm not, not confident, confident. With There is the talk of Tanaka, the talk of, I mean, the whispers of Kluber. I didn't hear much about Kluber, but... Yeah. Um, I think they checked in of, on him. All of that, to me, tells me that Lamette is not ready. They're not... They're not... They're not satisfied with where he's at. They uh, there was reports that Preller was down in the Dominican Republic to talk yeah. with Tatis or whatever, uh, but also to see Lamette. So he saw him firsthand. Yeah. Uh, you all we have to go off of is the videos that Lamette himself puts on Instagram, throwing sixty five miles an hour, and he's holding back. You can tell he's holding back. Well, maybe it's, the guy can't catch. It's good. <laughs> it's good. <laughs> you ever think about that? It's good that he's yeah. throwing. You yeah. know, like that's a plus, but. He's holding back. You you know what it looks like when someone is hurt, and that's what it looks like. Yeah, <laughs> he's throwing. May I'd say maybe fifty five to sixty percent, and maybe yeah. that's just like, hey, like at this point in the in the spring, I guess like this is where I'm at. You know, it's we're not we haven't hit spring training yet, so chill. Maybe it's that. But the fact that he walked off the mound with elbow issues, he's had Tommy John already. Uh, there was the the PRP uh, treatment uh, reportedly that he got. That makes all of that adds up to me being very nervous about Lamette. Uh, luckily, with these moves, I feel like him. I mean, I'm not gonna say we don't need him, but losing him hurts a lot less. Yes. than it would have. 
But um, then it did last year. Then it did last year for goddamn sure. But like I'm I'm looking at them like, how is you know how is this gonna look? We're gonna have a solid top three no matter what. Like no matter what, we have those three guys: uh, Darvish, Snell, and now Musgrove. But it's like, does this addition of Musgrove? signal the end of Lamette this year? I don't think so, no. And here's why. I th- Number one, and Stephen Woods, of course, of Ben and Woods, 97.3 The Fan. It, you can... Uh, San Diego's number one sports station. Thank you. Yeah. You can... You can stream on the radio.com app, by the way, <laughs> if you wanted to. You can, you can take what he has said and apply it to any era of baseball. Uh, he tweeted this out in all caps several times. You can never have enough pitching. Yeah. The Potters are a prime example of that, of how much it hurt that Patino and Gore did not get the reps necessary last year for their development. And that you could argue Patino was a little bit rushed. Uh, actually, I'd argue he was flat-out rushed. But you needed him. You needed something in the bullpen. But last year's a prime example of why you need that depth and why the Dodgers have been so good for so long because they can just pluck guys out and plug them in. Uh, the minute that uh Lamette or or Clevenger went down, you're kind of worried, but at least you had one. The minute both went down, well now you have Zach Davies, who again, we like Zach Davies, but you know, that's not the guy I'm running out there. And then you, you have know, fifty to, to, feet of crap and then yeah. you have Chris Paddock. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so, you know, and you're you you're putting yourself at a disadvantage. Well, really, with, with everything that went on with the, the pandemic, it really put the Padres depth at a disadvantage. And I think that if, if for nothing else, what we've learned about Preller since he's been here is that he's willing to take the chance, and then if he has to eat shit on it, he's willing to do that, but he'll at least learn, right? You, you look at the moves he's making, and a lot of idiots on Twitter and social media in general will say, well, look what he did in 2015. Where'd that go? Okay, that's a fair assessment. The 2015 uh, attempt was bad, but he has not made moves like that. We're not getting an over-the-hill Matt Kemp coming off the DL. You know, we're not trading six years of Max Freed for one year of Justin Upton coming off a 74-win season thinking, okay, we can add 20 wins this year. Um, he's, he has made adjustments necessary in the time frame that he's had since then to reevaluate, okay, how do we build a roster this time? And he's made some great trades like getting Clevenger, huge trade, signing Machado, um, but then making long-term moves like Grisham. Like we haven't mentioned Grisham, but Grisham might arguably be the best center fielder We've had in the Petco era since Mike Cameron. He arguably might end up being better than because we're going to have him here longer. So he's been making. I mean, these... it was two. It was a two month season last season. Well, that's true, but like I... yet, yeah, like yes, but yes, you know. But let's see a little more defense. I don't think. I think defense and play discipline is going to play. And that's even fair. if even if he's a seven hitter, I still think he's going to be good. Yeah, yeah I don't fair. think he's like terrible. That's um, fair. He'll get on base. Yeah. So, but when you look at what Preller's doing, everything has this move. That's, you know, he's learned from the past. And I think that with seeing what happened last year when your two top horses go down and you have nothing, right? If the Dodgers lost Kershaw and, uh, what's the other thumb's name? Bueller, thank you. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. When they they lost him, you had Dustin May can step in. Gonsolin can step in. Urias could step in. You know, they had guys... Uh, what's the other scrub they have on there that uh, my uncle is all trying? Stripling. Is he still yeah. on the team? Yeah. They have guys. Well, they trade him, I think. I think so. Yeah, but, but they have guys like Stripling in the minor leagues who, in our reality, in the longer season, probably would have made their debuts. 
because they have that depth. And this is what I'm talking about. This is to me, Preller learns every time he makes a mistake or something falls short. I feel like he learns and then does better the next time. Lamette could be healthy for all we know. They're the only ones that truly know. Yeah. Um, the fact that he hasn't had surgery yet, and Clevenger was so quick to get the surgery, I think does say something. I think it shows they have some optimism that he's going to be Well, they can't ready. force the players to have surgery. They can't, no. But I think that at the, he's gotten the surgery the first time. So yeah, Lamette's going to know just as much as anybody true. what the feeling is. Um if he needs a surgery again. But I think what Preller's basically doing is just he's playing CYA, cover your ass. You know, hey, yeah, I have this, but I'm not going to be, you know, just run on optimism. I'm going to try to make this team as good as I can. You know, fuck the fifth spot of the rotation. Who gives a shit? Fuck 22 and 23. We'll figure that problem out with all this pitching if everybody's healthy when we get there. But for right now, if I can add Joe Musgrove to this rotation as the number four guy, well, if Lamette goes down, and then another arm goes down, God forbid. Well, at least I still have those top two guys. At least we still have, hopefully, we'll get a decent year out of Paddock. But we still have Gore. We still hopefully have strides being made for more home. Um, but you're not relying on those guys to go out and make that playoff start for you. Because now you still have Darvish, Snell, Lamette, now Musgrove. And then you've got Paddock, Gore, and Morahone, and whoever else. Weathers. Yeah, Weathers, Baez. You have these other guys who can fill in or maybe clinch that five spot in the rotation where... If something bad goes goes down, you're not relying on them now to to fill in the gap. You, you know, it, it would be disastrous to see the Padres' top four guys in the rotation go down. Like top two was highly unlikely. That's just bad luck. Yeah. But top four, yeah, I, I like never, so. yeah. like never happens. Yeah. Ever. I'm mean, not going. To, God, I'm knocking the shit out of wood right now. Um. But yeah, you know, you look at it, and another thing that that does is yes, it, it gives you plenty of depth, but. Uh, where the depth is most valuable, in my opinion also, is that you don't have to rely on a guy like Gore to hit the ground running and slot in to be your number five when you're hoping to win a World Series when you come off a year when really you lose an entire year of development. You have to guess these kids are like six months back or half a year back on their development. Yeah, like you can say the the alternative site, whatever. Like that's that's scrimmage. Yeah. That's scrimmaging. Those are practices. And, you know, that's all that that Gore saw last year. So we lost that. You know, he lost that whole year. He lost – or Weathers lost a whole year essentially to that same thing. Like, you know – you don't have to depend on these guys. There's much less pressure on those guys to come up because if you're sitting there and you're hanging your World Series hopes on like maybe this guy can come up yeah. and just wreck shop after again they didn't they didn't throw last year. So they didn't they aren't building those innings up. So if you rely on innings that aren't built, you're gonna fuck yourself. Yeah. And they're not doing that any longer. And I, I think that that's huge because now you can have you know, what, whatever way you want it at the top. I think it's, per- personally, I think it's probably going to be Darvish, Snell, Musgrove. Well, if Lamette is good. Yeah. Darvish, Snell, Lamette, Musgrove, and then Paddock. I agree. I mean, that's that's going to be your five at that point. Um, so, really, I mean, Gore can take his time. He can go to El Paso or San Antonio or wherever they're going to start him at. You know, he can go there and work his way in. He won't be rushed in because we have, like you said, those reinforcements. We have that backup. And if Lamette goes down, even then, it's not like, hey, like we have to have you right this second. You know, we'll we'll make do. Morahone can get his starts. Morahone can get his looks. You know, uh, maybe Baez. Yeah, maybe Baez yeah. can get a little bit more of a look at that point. Um, but that's, I think that says a lot is you are setting yourself up 
to compete and to like very, very strongly compete. And you're giving yourself a fallback option to where those guys can get ready and they're not rushed. Yeah. And I think that that's huge. I, I, as do I. I, I remember, uh, I can't remember who quoted him or it said they had the conversation about like, where does Kim fit in? Right. Like yeah. you already have Cronenworth and I like Cronenworth. Don't get me wrong. I, I think he's a solid player. He had a good month. Right. But yeah. it's like, so, but, but people are like, well, you already have Cronenworth. What are you going to do with Kim? You know, and you have Tatis, you can't play short. You have Cronenworth, you can't play second. You know, where does he fit? You know, and, and somebody had said, why do we have to have a fit for every guy we get? Why can't we just get good players? That's what the Dodgers do. Yeah. You know, fucking Chris Taylor and, and Enrique or Kike Hernandez, they're not fucking outfielders. Yeah. They're infielders. Chris Taylor was a shortstop. Yeah. You know, they just get them. You know, Justin Turner was a second baseman. Max Muncy was uh, with an iron glove. He's a second baseman. Mm-hmm. Right? Just get guys. And then the rest will figure it out later. Um, but I agree. You know, you're, you're just trying to get better. And if it adds depth, great. Absolutely great. Yeah, I like it more because, yeah, I'm trying to be optimistic on Lamette, um, and I like it because again, it 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 doesn't hurt to lose Davies now because now you got a guy who I think might have more upside, um, who's significantly cost less, and he comes with an extra year of control, uh, which is yeah, that's a great pickup. Um, but even if even if Lamette is hurt, well, then at least now you have the depth to like you said to where you can absorb that. It's like okay, well, Morahone or Paddock, whoever doesn't win the five spot, well, they're next in line, and you know what, we can bring Gore along at our own pace. We don't have to have it like it was last year where we basically had the entire fan base, and I'm sure the front office, chomping at the bit to see, is he ready? When is he going to be ready? Yeah. You know, you're not you're not bringing up your top prospects, you know, in, in, with a hope and a prayer, hoping that they're going to be the savior for your season. Okay, we're going to bring up this prospect. He's going to put us over the top. You're not banking on that. You're basically putting yourself in a position where the prospect's going to come up to add depth and fill a need Kind of like how Weathers did in the playoffs, right? But you're not going to put the whole, you know, your whole your whole basket of hopes into that one guy to get you where you need to go. It should be said also that you have speculated both, well, mostly privately because of your standing in the, uh, you know, may or may not exist Padres Rasa thread. But you think that Paddock is going to have a solid year this year. You think he's I a do. bounce back candidate? I do. I think he's a now. I think he's a bounce back candidate. I think uh, his rookie year isn't a fluke. There has been more than enough evidence posted again by my good man, Too Much Mortens. Uh, Giannis posts a lot of evidence. We've seen it where you can see the change in the way his fastball comes out of his hand and how it moves towards the plate. I don't think that Paddock was a fluke. I think what ended up happening, he's a prime example of like, don't fix when ain't broke. Like, if he's not going to be an ace without a third pitch, number one, we don't need him to be an ace because he was yeah, never... Not anymore. No. Well, we didn't need <laughs> him to be an ace anyways because you were always assuming eventually, at some point, had he stayed, and then, of course, we still have Gore. Eventually, Gore and Patino, like, those were the two guys we were looking at, like, that's going to be our fucking two-headed monster. Like, Paddock is going to be a really great number three starter. Right. Um, so we were never looking at him, like, as an ace, and I don't think a lot of people thought of him, like, unless... He just came up with a third pitch, or his command was just amazing, you know, Superman levels, that he was ever going to be, like, a legitimate one of the top 30 starters in the league. Um, I think if he can find the command that he had his rookie year, where he's dotting the top of the corner, or the top of the strike zone in the corners, um, where he's just above the, the middle of the plate, and he can mix the changeup in, I think he'll be fine. I don't know if he's gonna, he's not going to be an ace, but I think, especially as a five-starter, where we're really not relying on him this year, at all, you know, it's basically up for grabs. I wouldn't be surprised if Morahone took the five spot. Honestly, I, think I would Pat, love it. I, I would too. I think Paddock's I, got the inside track because he's got the durability. Yeah, you know, he hasn't had the injuries. Uh, he didn't have the up and down minor leagues. Um, you know, I do think. 
for all intents. Yeah, yeah, he gets pissed off, but like we haven't heard like the makeup issues on Paddock that we heard more at home coming up and the maturity issues. It's a little bit different. And I think because he's been there, he's got the inside track. That sounds very but, racist, Danny. Hey you man, say that about Morahone. Hey not man, your guy I like Morahone. I like Morahone. I don't know. I, you're I'm, sitting here. You're lobbying hey, for Paddock. I'm not lobbying. And for you're anybody. talking about how you want him. He's coming back. He's the five. Oh, hey, hey, makeup issues. None what do they this, always say? That's no. what. That's what racists say about Latin Good. ball So players. I want you to pull up where you agreed with me <laughs> that Morahone had makeup issues on these past episodes. <laughs> I like Morahone. I like Morahone a lot. We've mentioned he came a long way last year. As far as you know, his his uh, body language, his stuff. He went back to that knuckle change, which was nasty. Mm-hmm. I like. I think he's got more upside than Paddock, but I think they're gonna go with Paddock because he's been in the rotation before. He's got right. He's got the inside track. You know, he's he's a little bit more of a proven commodity, and I use that term lightly. Yeah. Uh, than Morahone, who really hasn't even been stretched out yet. So, um, well, you, I, I think you, he can bounce back. I don't think he's gonna be great, but I think I think as a five starter, you can do a lot worse than what. So now you're backpedaling. No, I think he's going to break out. I'm not saying it's 100% he's going to do it, yeah. but I'm speculating verbally uh-huh. that he is going to have a pretty good year. I don't know how great he's going to be, but I think he's going to have a pretty good year, and I don't think we're going to be like calling him, what do they call him right now? Is he a deputy or is he a mall cop? Mall right cop. now he's the mall cop. Yeah. Yeah. So I think he's going to be, uh, I think he'll be uh, head of security, uh, hopefully by the all-star break, and by the end of that, maybe he'll be back up to deputy. Okay. You mentioned Morahone and body language. I'd love to have a long conversation with his fiance. I'll say that much. Oh, they're engaged? <laughs> yeah. Must have missed it. They are. Uh, but anyways, I, and I think I even said last episode that uh, that we recorded that Morahone's not going to be a starter, in my opinion. I, I don't think I don't think they view I don't think he's going to end up being a starter. Yeah. But, you know, if he ends up in the pen, lights out in the pen, I'm, I'm happy with he that. He could be a swing man. There's nothing – I feel like there's this, like, negative connotation of, oh, if he's not a starter, he's not valuable. It's like – the Dodgers guys have been proving. They proved it in the fucking playoffs last year. Like, Dustin May you was... Need, you need guys you need, to yeah. slot in there. Dustin May was not throwing five, six, seven. They basically used him in for two or three innings a game and gave him a day off and brought him back out. May and Urias were their weapons. Yeah, man. that's so. why. Hey, number one, we didn't score There's any. a lot of Dodger yeah. love in this episode, by the way. It's more acknowledgement. Okay, There's a lot of Dodger hating, too. I'm not going to hate on the organization themselves. There's some smart motherfuckers who are being outplayed right now by A.J. Preller. What are you doing? Nothing. Uh-huh. No, I'm not doing anything. Okay. But, uh, you know, the way that they used, let me rephrase this, the way they forced Dave Roberts to correctly use his pitching staff last year, you know, why we can do that. We don't have to have Morahone, like, pegged in, okay, you're just going to be a starter and that's it, right? It goes back to what I mentioned, what they said about Kim. Why do we have to say he's this and that's what he is and that's that? Why does that have to be finite? Why can't we just say, hey, we have a good player, so we're just going to use him and weaponize him? We can weaponize Morahone. We yeah. can, you know, if he, if he can't be in the fifth spot, well, hey, we can bring him in. You know, maybe Snell does really well. It's like, oh, you know what? It's a righty heavy lineup right now, part of the order. Uh, we got to bring in a righty. Snell's at 100 pitches. He's already thrown six plus. Let's just bring in like a righty, right? Let's bring in Pagan. He's going to do well in this spot. And then you get back to a lefty's part of the lineup or a spot where, okay, well, we, you know, we don't want to go with Pagan because of the platoon splits he might have or whatever. Fuck it, we'll bring Morahone back in for an inning and a third. Yeah. And we'll just use him that way. You can you can use Morahone as like basically a drone to just send out there and bomb the other team it gives for Tingler, a couple innings. It yeah. gives Tingler a lot of options. It really does. That's it gives Tingler sure. the option to manage the way that Dave Roberts is mandated to manage. Yeah. Uh, with the amount of talent he's going to have available. Joe Musgrove, by the way, not a Dodger lever. Oh, yes. On the uh, record. Yes, on the record. Not a Dodger lever. Like a brand- 
Fuck the Dodgers, absolutely. Fuck well, them. Joe, let me tell you, from the uh, beaches of Poway <laughs> all the way down. Beaches of Poway. Yes, the beaches of Poway <laughs> all the way down to the beautiful Hudson El Cajon. We cannot wait to watch you fuck the Dodgers all year long. Yep, we're uh, we're we're ready for it. That's, yes, that's DHK is going to be now, very happy with me this year. It's going to be a big haul of jerseys, I imagine. Now, who is going to be the first person to ask Musgrove to come on our podcast? <laughs> because <laughs> Snell, Blake Snell, was asked. He didn't say no if he would come on our podcast, <laughs> and he said. I don't know, dog. That's a lot. I don't even know what that is. So, who is going to be the first one to ask Musgrove to come onto our podcast? I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. I would. I would absolutely love to see it. We shall see. Yeah, our pal Jake of all trades <laughs> hopped on his hopped on his Twitch <laughs> to ask him. Thank you very, very much. He for did that. not say that no, was Eric. awesome. That he was did, yeah. He did not. That say was no. hilarious. We'll be sure to take that clip out of context and splice it for an endorsement, <laughs> ringing endorsement. Yeah. From Snellzilla. That was hilarious. Yes, sir. Um, so you wanted to talk about the loss of a legend yes, in let's, Padre uh, let's Not Lucchese. No, not Lucchese. No, Lucchese's busy getting an authentic slice of Sbarro pizza, I would imagine. <laughs> um, no, let's... Uh, I cannot wait for him to get shellacked or have to hear like the Philly crowd on the regular. Yeah. Or have to hear a reinvigorized New York Mets franchise. Can you imagine? Hey, we got McCann, we did this, we got Stroman, we did that, yada, yada. What the hell, Joey Lucchese? Yep. I cannot wait. But anyways, um, no, let's, I, I did want to bring it up because uh, 40, 40 plus years, Eric, at the end of an era, uh, you're a bigger fan of his uh, style than I am, <laughs> but uh, Uncle Teddy, Padres legend, Padres living legend, uh, and really the last uh, the last piece of uh, most people's childhood as a Padre fan, yeah. uh, has decided to uh, take an ambassador role and to step down from his play-by-play duties. How did, like I said, I, I respect Uncle Teddy, I love him as a person. Play-by-play, play, I could give or take. But uh, I know you're big on Uncle Teddy, and you always have been. So yeah. I'd, I'd like to hear your take you know, uh, and your reaction when you found out. I, I think I'd be more heartbroken if it wasn't expected. Like, we all knew his contract was up at the end of last year. And, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I mean, you know, those of us that are entrenched in the radio oh, industry, in the no- oh, in the no- such, as, such as myself, Excuse me. knew that his contract was up. And, you know... It was getting to the point where you can you can acknowledge you can love Uncle Teddy and you can also acknowledge he wasn't what he was at the top of his game. He wasn't at the top of his game, and that's that's very fair, you know, to say that. But having him here for my entire childhood and into my adulthood, like I'm gonna I'm gonna miss Teddy a lot. I really am. And and if you guys uh, go on to the Kept Faith, they tweeted out an article that uh, my pal Mark Wilkins wrote. It's incredible, dude. It, it encompasses everything. And, and it was a feeling, as Mark put it, as being welcomed home. So he had moved from San Diego. Yes. And uh, in the instance of listening to Teddy, that voice was his feeling of being welcomed back home. And it's that's what Padre Baseball is to me. It's Leitner. It's Coleman. It's the conversations that they would have, and just the just the voice, dude. It's like yeah. you you associate with someone's voice, and you know, I'm I'm gonna miss I'm really gonna miss him a lot, and uh, I, I feel like he deserved to see this out, and it bums me out that he's not gonna get there to call games on a regular basis when the Padres eventually, hopefully, in the next few years, win the, their first World Series. Well, let me put this that out bums there for me out. You. There's one thing. And I mean, you can you can say a lot about the ownership groups that we've had, and you know, there's obviously like, you know, 
shilling going on uh, before, uh, before <laughs> not Kurt Schilling, but there's obviously, you know, like, yeah. you know, self, self-serving self uh, decision-making with announcers and, like, no disrespect to Dick Emberg, rest his soul. He was he was a great announcer for a long time that wasn't at any point in time in the Potter career, but, you know, the way he was treated is like, come on. You know, yeah. He's not Bob Chandler. He's not even, like... I think Mel Proctor <laughs> yeah. a, has a better has a better stake to the Padres lore than than uh, Emberg, but I will give him this: like Ted Leitner's the MC of pretty much everything. Um, and you're right, you know, like I said, I've never been a big fan of Teddy because, uh, as far as play by play style, namely just because it just doesn't jive with me. Same reason Vascursion when he was here didn't really jive with me. I love Maddie as a personality, yeah, but the, it's a style. But as a personality, and like. How about them boys? How about them boys? <laughs> Strike three calls. Sit down. <laughs> so stuff like that. I'll miss that because you're right. Even though I made it may not have jived me all the time. Teddy has been here. I listened to the Padres clinching uh, the uh, playoffs in ninety in ninety eight. The uh, NLDS, the NLCS. I did not listen to the uh, TV broadcast. I had the TV on. I muted it. And I put the radio broadcast on because, as far as I was concerned, maybe I don't like those guys, but those are my guys. Yeah, yeah, maybe I, you know they're not Fox. They're not. Those are Padre fans. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I'm gonna miss Teddy because you know he's been here this whole time. Yeah. You know, he's really he's an institution, and I I do trust that uh, the organization and ownership um, is going to treat him well in this ambassador role. I am not gonna be surprised at all if he ends up in the booth. He says he's not gonna he's gonna stay away from the booth. But I'll be damned if they're not going to have him there and let him come up and call some games. If they make the playoffs or they get to the World Series or something, he's going to have moments that he'll get to enjoy now that he's not in the booth full-time. Right. You know, Game one, World Series, hey, at home, have Uncle Teddy throw out the first pitch. Uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if some kind of uh, you know memorial here for him somewhere in the booth where they named something after him. Um, I He's, definitely think he needs to go to the Padre Hall of Fame. I hope. Do it, dude. Do it now. Stop dicking around. If yeah. anything that this last year has shown us, yeah. life is too short. Stop dicking around like you're dicking around Bob Chandler. Yes. And you have for years. Put them both in the fucking Padres Hall of Fame. I think that... What the, history do the Padres have? <laughs> well, they have zero. The two guys that mattered are already in the Hall of Our Fame. Our history <laughs> is shit. Okay. <laughs> You have two bright spots right now that are just sitting there yeah. with their dicks in their hands. Especially Chandler. Like at least Lightner kept getting renewed. Put him but, in. Uh, yeah, and I think I think it's safe to say we're probably going to see fans probably halfway through the year. I think the back end of the season you'll see fans in the stands. This is the year. I mean, we said it for a while. Should he should have been put in a couple years ago? Um, but this is a year to do it. And I think I think they're going to do right by by. Ted. I do too. Because they I, did I right by the Colonel. You know? I, I think that I think they. I think it sucks that he didn't get a farewell season. Uh, I was looking at, I was watching his interview, his Zoom Skype call that he did. Excellent, by the way, if it you haven't seems, seen it. It seems like, and maybe he's just carrying water for the team because that's what he's done for 40 years. <laughs> but it seems like it was his call, from what he's saying, yeah. at least. It seems like it was his call to step away. Um, and if that's the case, good for him. I feel like he deserved a farewell season. He deserves a great send-off, which the team can still give him. Yeah, And absolutely. he deserved, after watching decades of shit baseball, he deserved to have them be good. Yeah, <laughs> and he got to see it. And, like, and, and see the World yeah, Series. But. It, it, he does deserve to see the World Series, but it's not like they were... See, this is why I feel bad about the Colonel. Because he was so proud of the team. He mentioned it. We went to his uh, statue room. Oh, yeah. I remember which that. was awesome. The, the, there wasn't anywhere near enough people there. 
um, unfortunately. But he got emotional because the colonel was never one to say, talk about me. He fucking took his speech and started talking about the players on the field. And that's the dagger and in the heart. it was an awful team. Yes, too, it was an way. awful team. Yeah. And that's the dagger in the heart is that the colonel was here this whole time. He took one for the team and managed the team. Yeah. Uh, you know, for as Leitner said, I think he said about a, about, uh, a minute and a half <laughs> or something around those lines. But... Uh, and for how much we love Jerry, I think one of my favorite parts about Ted too is how much Ted loves Jerry. Just absolutely, like, and I, was he, it, it seems like he was like legitimately like starstruck. Yeah, and it's <laughs> by, funny because by Coleman, when you hear Coleman, they showed Coleman's uh, Hall of Fame speech when he got the Ford Frick Award. He mentioned he name drives like, "Hey, the best announcer you've never heard of it's Ted yeah, Leitner, yeah. my good friend." Oh man, he, dude, that video of the Padres yeah, chills. Shot. Yeah, yeah, that was that got me absolutely amazing. That part, but yeah, it, it, that and then Leitner Terry I hanging the star over. Yeah. yeah, that was like, oh God, please, not now. Yeah, that, that got <laughs> I don't me. need this right now. But that got me. Um, I'm a softy since we had Austin. As am I. Yeah. As am I. I also haven't been in the gym for a while. So, <laughs> but the thing is, is that Leitner, like Coleman, always looked as light like an equal. But I don't think Leitner ever looked at Coleman no. as, as an equal. I think Never. he looked up to Coleman and, and and thought to himself, like, that's my hero, and he said as much. Yeah. Um. You know, and and uh, I I think the team will do. The team did right by by. Uh, by the colonel, I think they'll do right. By Leitner, like I said, the dagger in the heart is that the colonel never got to see, you know, what was transpiring finally come to fruition. No, we didn't world win the World Series last year, but but Ted did get to call the clincher. You know, Agler had the the uh, the uh, wherewithal to say, "Hey, this is Uncle Teddy's moment." Yeah, you know, so I'm going to give this to him. And I would not be surprised if next year, if it's like, "Hey, we're probably going to clinch this week," or you know, "Hey, it's Game Six, or we're going to have Teddy in the booth." And and give, I, you I, know what? After Agler did that moment, Agler deserves that call. Yeah, he does. I he, think Agler will get his call. And I don't think I don't yeah. think Ted would take it after being out all year. Oh, hey, we're about to clinch. Come on in. Ted Leitner's not going to take a mic in front of him. I, I don't think he would. Not after what Agler <laughs> yeah. did for him. I think we'll see Teddy in the booth in guest spots. I would love to see him mix it up, like on a guest spot, maybe with Grant. You know, just come in. For that a would be minutes. great. That would I would be love great. to get those two because they've they've all thrown, three of those guys. Yeah, they've thrown some friendly jabs at each yeah. other. Oh yeah. <laughs> Before, but I don't recall ever getting to hear Ted and Mark just uh, and Mud just get to you know riff off each other live TV. But that's the thing is that you know thank God he's alive and he's walking away yeah alive and that we can still enjoy him. Yeah, we missed a play by play, but he's not going anywhere. Right. You know he's still going to probably be at the ballpark. Like I said, I I I am highly confident. He's going to have a Hall of Fame farewell ceremony. They're going to name some part of the booth after him. They. They probably should. I mean, the guy was here for forty years. They should yeah. have some sort At of least plaque, have, some yeah. sort of statue. Here's uh, your uh, commemorative Leitner. Ted Lightner headsets. Put a <laughs> put a put a mic there. That'd be a great giveaway. <laughs> just get a statue of a mic, yeah. like Lightner holding a mic, so you know Marver can do? go to games and just <laughs> DX karate chop it. <laughs> you know what you could do? This would be good for Lightner back in the mid '90s and early 2000s when the uh, he wasn't uh, he 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 wasn't as much of a as like a softy and. Uh, you know, a beloved character. Just have a big fucking mouth, like, <laughs> big mouth. right over there. I think I honestly think he would get a kick yeah. out of something like that. But I, I'm sure they're gonna they're gonna do something, and and he'll get to do like I'm sure he's gonna MC events because he's amazing at it. Yeah, uh, and I'm sure he'll. I, I trust the ownership yeah. group to do right. Yeah, by him. They'll, they'll, I really they'll do. do just fine by him. And like I said, he's still here. You know, it's not the Jerry Coleman situation. The dagger in the heart is. He passed away, unfortunately, yeah. and he never got to see it. And he just kind of—that's how he walked away. It was, it was taken from us. You know, we didn't get to to have this outpouring of like appreciation 
like we're having for Ted right now. And we didn't get we didn't get to enjoy him because he was gone. So now we still have we still have Ted. He's still here. It's probably better for his health, anyways. Yeah, um, true. And uh, I can't wait to see what kind of what kind of here uh, comes Ryan terms. Braun, steroid boy. <laughs> Here's Paula Duca. Steroid boy, you know. <laughs> That's my favorite one. Can He's you, steroid boy. We're, we're going to get to some voicemails that were left Oh, you here. put the bat signal on. I didn't even know. I did. But uh, before we get to them, can you please give your uh, your Ted Leitner Which impression one? of him calling SDSU basketball <laughs> from a few years ago? Can you give me a point guard that would have shot a three? It was, uh, we'll use, um, DJ Gay was the one that you used to use all the time all when right. you first started doing it. Pitched out to Gay from 30 feet. Aztecs go up by five. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah. Oh, well. Well. From the free court. From the free throw line. Good. <laughs> it's funny talking about, you know, how much you like Leitner, because I specifically remember at FanFest about a decade ago. I never liked... Uh, hold on. Hold on. Hold on. I was really young. I'm going to tell this story. Tell okay? it. I want you to Telling tell it. Telling the story. We're at FanFest. Was this 09? We're at FanFest. We were excited to get like Will Venables autograph. Maybe 2010. I think it was 2010. Well, we had Maven. I yeah. think we had Maven. It was 09, 2010. Whatever. I think it was 11. Lightner was down by the Padres. <laughs> I have a picture. He was by the Padres dugout. And he was signing autographs, meeting people. And we're waiting in line. We're going to go down shake his hand and, and say, oh, hey, Uncle Tay, how's it going? You're just saying hi. And we're heading down there. We're a few steps away. <laughs> I hate this fucking story now that I'm older because I'm embarrassed. And fucking Danny sitting there under his breath. This fucking hack. Hey, Uncle Teddy. Like, right before we walked up. like we were 2011. Next. We were next, dude. We went, oh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, this fucking hack. Hey, Uncle Teddy. Danny Ortiz, broadcast journalism major. Any advice for me? <laughs> Any advice for me? He and he goes, sat there. And he gave you advice. He gave you from the heart advice. Yeah, take from any a job. guy that's been there. Take any job. Take any job. They want you to call hockey in Minnesota. You take the job. Yeah. You take the job. Yeah. Asshole. You're a fucking asshole. I was a young, dumb kid that didn't know any better. I didn't like Granite first either. Now you're an old, either. dumb motherfucker. Yeah, I didn't like Granite first either. Listen, I, I will still say to the to the dad die, I'm not big on Uncle Teddy's play-by-play style. I love his fucking stories because he's hilarious in the way he tells them. I was never big on the play-by-play style, but I do appreciate and I love the man for what he represents. And yes, I was an idiot. I just showed a... If you guys want me to tweet it out, you can tweet at me, at 5.5Dan. <laughs> I do have a picture yeah. Of me seconds before I called him a after. fucking hack. After. <laughs> yeah. Called we took the picture before. Dickhead. Yeah, we took the pictures. Uh, yeah, Uncle Teddy, you know, what, what, what can you tell me? Take any job. Take it. They want you to call Hockey Out in Timbuktu. Take it. You take it. Asshole. No, thanks, Uncle Teddy. Can I get a picture? Asshole. Sure, of course. <laughs> Asshole. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. All right. Yep. And now thanks, you Uncle up Teddy. With the podcast. Appreciate it. So I think, I think you won. Hack. I think you won. <laughs> Dick. You son of a bitch. All right, let's get to the voicemails here. There's, <laughs> there's a few of them. I want to make sure I play all of them because every once in a while I miss one and everyone's like, oh, why didn't you play my voicemail? I think we can get to all of them today. So here's the first one. Hey, Eric. It's uh, Mayor Ramona once again. Oh, and no. what some great news to come home to after my long trip to uh, Washington, D.C. Well, <laughs> I'm so glad that AJ was able to get rid of... A lot of those fellers down in the low minors, you know, the fellers whose names we really can't pronounce. So uh, it's great to have a guy from the East County back home. You know how much I love my East County folks. All right, well, I'll see y'all later. I'm trying to get pardoned out of the Well, <laughs> <laughs> oh, nice phone call from the Mayor Ramona, which reminds me, if you have any information <laughs> that could potentially lead to, to the arrest of any of the insurrectionists, 
uh, from the storming of the Capitol building, by all means, contact your local FBI office. Oh, man. If you're looking for a place to live in San Diego and you're ready to buy a home, please hit up our pal, Andrew Mazzone, Coldwell Banker West. Let's see what's next. Son of a bitch. Hey, guys. This is Pods Pods Anonymous. Pods Anonymous. Anyway, uh, hope you are well. Uh, I'm just calling because today is Saturday, January 16th. No, it's not. At 4.57 p.m. And I'm just calling to tell you that the Padres are about to make a major trade, and I wanted you guys to hear about it first. (laughs) So Joe Musgrove will be coming to San Diego from the Pirates. The Padres are going to give up Hudson Head, Omar Cruz, David Bednar, Drake Fellows, and Joey Lucchese. I'm hearing it's a three-team deal. Wow, nailed it. Thanks a lot, Padres. Podnonymous, thank you. Let's see what we got next. Fucking guy. He he uh, obviously called and left that after the trade, by the way. Yes, clearly. Oh, man, lighten it up. Wow, really knocked out of the park. I don't know who the fuck that was. All right, let's see. Uh, we got another one here. Oh, from uh, our beloved usher at Padres, or at Padres Stadium. I was pulled a Gavin Newsom. Hey, this is Dan, DJ Blunt 25, and just want to know what color uh, SS Sport Camaro that uh, Danny wants. Thanks, bye. Oh, what color SS Sport Camaro do you want? All black, baby. All, All black. black 69. Nice. SS Camaro 396 Big Black. Thank you very much. First thing I would do if I won that fucking Powerball. You buying, Dan? Huh? <laughs> this guy, Dan, wants to buy you a buy you the uh, yeah, Camaro. Yeah, yeah, make sure it's got uh, leather seating, please. Thank you. <laughs> hey, it's a Joey Lucchese. Looks like I'm a mat, my last mamilla. Uh, going to meet you guys. Uh, say hi to Vato Three. Say a Devin. Arrivederci. Oh, God. Oh, God. That's great. Oh, man. The only thing you're missing was Zorcello. How about some pizza? <laughs> Son of a bitch. Maybe I should have ended it on that one. But, uh, let's see. I think we got one more. Good morning, fellas. It's your old pal, James Clark, of East Village Times fame. I wanted to take a moment from examining many videos of Matt Mitchell's lower body to weigh in on the electrifying Joe Musgrove news. As we're both from San Diego, I... No, Joseph very well and must say, he is a strong, intelligent, highly gifted, and some might even say, quite strapping young man. His large, sturdily built frame will fit in well in his very enticing Padres rotation. And I look forward to crossing streams with him at some point. Very curious what you boys think of the move overall. I just turned off the recording on accident. I turned it back on. Oh my god. <laughs> oh, that was a great James Clark of the EVT. <laughs> Do you say examining Matt Mitchell's lower body? <laughs> we'll see you guys next time. We're out of here. <laughs>